0: Always fun to have guests on the uh, WTM General program. Today is no different. A lot of guests today, which is always makes the I think the show more interesting and, and makes my life uh, sometimes more challenging. I have to do more homework. And in the case of my guest, Quentin Claibon, who is from the Institute for Reform and Government and, and has written a great piece in the Journal Sentinel, special the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, about something that's near and dear to my heart as the the spouse of a retired teacher who still dabbles in teaching. The the Headline Learning Lags with New Teachers, Many Quit. There's a Better Way to Train Educators. So, first of all, welcome. Yeah, thank you so much. I am, uh,
1: viewers can see that I'm positively cherubic coming in from the cold, <laughs> right. rosy cheeked. Yeah. And indeed,
0: I bring good news of yes. teachers. So, let's talk about it. What's that better way?
1: Yeah, so apprenticeships work great for kind of those traditional trades, right? Plumbing, electrician, right? They've moved into nursing and IT. And 28 states, red and blue, have now moved into apprenticeships for teaching as well. Um, As you may know, teachers right now go to college for four years. They have to get a bachelor's degree. They only get really one semester of classroom experience. They're reading about how to teach kids, but they're not really doing it on the ground. And so apprenticeships basically give them two years of on-the-ground teaching, get paid while they work, and hopefully uh, make better teachers when they come out
0: so how do we
1: take that idea of that model and make it the reality yeah um, right now it's really exciting so the, the the really good news about this is that both sides are working together I, I saw that the state superintendent Underley actually said it was to use the same word I use exciting yeah absolutely they say it's exciting um, um, the Republicans in the legislature have put out a recent proposal uh, as well so I think this is really something that's going to happen this year um, long story short um, there's conversation going on basically teachers are going to plug into the existing apprenticeship system They're going to make sure that they get mentorship in the public or private schools that they go to and uh, Really, it's just about extending that six months into two years so that they get tons of experience right now I don't think people know this. The teaching shortage is actually not from people going into teaching. We still have just as many going into teaching um, as we did before Act 10, which surprises a lot of people. What actually happens is teachers get there their first or second year, get shocked by how difficult it is, and leave. 18% of teachers leave before their third year. So there's just constant turnover. Imagine if one out of five new employees at a business were leaving every couple of years. That would you know destroy the thing.
0: So has this model worked in other places?
1: Yeah. Uh, Tennessee, as I said, was the first to introduce it. Um, it started out at small private colleges, kind of the equivalent to like, um, maybe like a Mount Mary in the area, but now it's in the University of Tennessee system. It's it's widespread. Um, uh, Dr. Underlee Superintendent Under Lee has talked with the UWs. Um, and so uh, what's really exciting is that everybody's kind of for this. So on, on kind of the left, we have the National Education Association Teachers Union. NEA. Yep. And then we also have, like, Jeb Bush's Excel in Ed and the Conservative American Enterprise Institute. So it's really surprising that all these strange bedfellows are coming together to Why solve a problem. Why do you think problem. that is?
0: Why do you think that you have that sort
1: of, as you said, uncommon support? Yeah, I think a lot of times people don't even diagnose the problem in the same way, whether that's taxes, whether that is um, like in, uh, foreign affairs. But I think everybody knows rural, urban, suburban, there's a huge crisis in teaching right now. Rural, pe- rural districts and rural private schools are having trouble even getting one candidate for a job. They may just leave it open. Milwaukee, this is true. Um, Milwaukee is giving immigration papers to uh, people from the Philippines, people from Nigeria, people from Mexico to come and teach in some of the most difficult schools in the state. And again, God bless those people for coming here. Hopefully they become Proud Americans, but should we? Do we really need
0: to be having, should,
1: uh, having people come from over oceans to teach when we just have so many people here?
0: So you cited a couple other reasons why this makes sense, and I actually didn't think of this first one. It lowers teachers' college debt. Yeah. Um, so right now, this is
1: insane. Your last year of teaching for your your senior semester, you student teach. You go to a school and teach. Not only do you not get paid. You pay this college for the privilege of teaching in those schools. Right, yes. It's not just an unpaid internship; it's an un-unpaid internship. Um, so this would help people get paid while they do that work. And secondly, this is you know totally optional for universities. But in some place, in some states, universities are lowering the tuition because you know they're not taking these in-person classes, and so that cuts the student debt as well.
0: One of the other uh, things you talked about is uh, well two things: diversity among teachers. Yeah, this is genuinely true. Uh, there are more teachers named Jennifer in Wisconsin than there are
1: male <laughs> teachers of color, male non-white teachers. Um, and again, my mom was a white teacher, special education Your name's teacher in Wisconsin. not Jennifer, backwards. is it? Maria. So, I mean, honestly, we're not we're not getting more uncommon <laughs> there. But um, yeah, uh, and and it's not just diversity for diversity's sake. Right now, you have a twenty percent chance if you're a boy of never having a male teacher until you hit high school. Most of the men who go into teaching, they teach high school classes or, or they try to become principals, um, and then. Not and you know obviously Milwaukee has a teacher diversity problem. We don't have nearly enough people going into the profession. But even in places like Abbotsford, where tons of kids speak Spanish as a native language, or Hmong Americans in Wausau, in Central Wisconsin, there are tons of people who don't speak the language of the parents or who are not coming
0: from those communities. We'll take a break here. We're talking to Quentin Claiborne from the uh, IRG Institute for Reforming Government, talking about the teacher shortage, a real life bipartisan way to kind of address that challenge. We'll continue the conversation after this on WTMJ Now. We'll continue to monitor that traffic situation. Thanks to Eric Bilstead for giving us the latest on the uh, situation on uh, 894. We are joined in studio today by Quentin Claiborne. He's a research director at the Institute for Reform and Government. Talking about this great idea about building our teacher base, right? All right, so I'm a big fan of not just the ideas, But when they get done, the action plan, the uh, implementation. So if we're talking timeline on this thing, this idea, what are we looking at here? For those who don't know, uh, the legislature will be wrapping up in a couple of
1: months. And so um, we're excited that people are on this to move it along quickly. Um, Probably like two to three months is when they're out of session. Uh, And so right now it's been introduced by Representative Penterman, who I believe is a uh, a substitute teacher, uh, at times, substitute teacher. So he has this experience and understands it. Um, They're going to be apparently it's going to go to committee in the next week or two. It it could be as soon as this week. Um, We know that. Uh, DPI has been working on it for months, IRG kind of got to the topic first, DPI got to it later. So they're doing all the behind the scenes, nuts and bolts, complicated things, and so hopefully uh, in the next couple of months it all comes together
0: in time for next school year. Yes, which is important. So I'm guessing, I I probably should ask you at the beginning, but how serious is this problem right now when when we're talking about shortages? My wife does some substitute teaching, and she is always in demand because she teaches high-level mathematics which is a specialized teaching skill, right? So I would imagine this is time critical, right?
1: Correct. Um, As I said, my mother is a special education teacher. It's really hard to fill those roles. STEM, science, and math, right? Um, uh, Foreign language, bilingual teachers, um, the trades, in fact. Um, The the problems are everywhere, as I said, urban and rural. Um, And I think while this is driven by the teacher shortage and that's why it's so timely, I also think about teacher quality. When you think about uh, 12% of kids having first- or second-year teachers, again, everyone needs to start somewhere. But a lot of them are getting teachers that are not that experienced. And so if you get teachers two years of experience before they even start in the classroom, I think that's going to drive test score improvement as well.
0: Lots of uh, input on the uh, text line, the WTMJ Talking Text Line. Now, Vernal College has three semesters of classroom exposure prior to student teaching. Each semester, there's increased experience. So there are some examples out there of schools doing it right. Yes. um,
1: There's something called teacher residencies or grow your own. The education nerds or or teachers may understand that. Um, And basically, this plugs it into this model. You can access federal apprenticeship dollars. Um, That's part of the reason to do this. You can access federal apprenticeship money. So it can help, again, minimize that debt.
0: This might be a question for uh, CJ Safer, but I'm going to ask you since you're here. You're the research director. Why is this something that uh, the Institute for Reforming Government, IRG, is interested in? Yeah, um, I
1: think, uh, it's important for us to look at the, the realities on the political ground and think about what can appeal to both parties and to people in all parts of Wisconsin. We've had, uh, members of our, of our, uh, group go all around Wisconsin and listen to people. Um, we heard a lot about mental health. We heard a lot about, uh, reading scores and we heard a lot about the lack of teachers. And so, we don't want to be one of those the groups that uh, I'm not coming up with any ideas. I'm a huge nerd. I will do nerd <laughs> things. We really want to address what people are saying on the ground, and so that's why we uh, attack this
0: issue. He's uh, Quentin Claibon. He's from the Institute for Reform and Government, better known as IRG. We're going to take another break. Then we're going to get to COVID spending uh, school districts. There's a deadline looming. There's some questions about how some of the money was spent. We'll kind of give you an overview of that topic, which you should all care about. This is your money, your tax dollars. We'll have that conversation and more after this on WTMJ Now. Interesting conversation this half-hour with Quentin uh, Claybon from the Institute for Reforming Government, better known as IRG. Uh, CJ Safer was on with Tracy Johnson yesterday. And as always, if you missed that conversation, you can find it at WTMJ.com. Tracy doing a great job in the afternoons here right now. Um, so we've been talking about these, the story of, of teaching, uh, how to get more people in the profession, how to retain them, how to eliminate some of their debt, massive debt that they, they accumulate while they're learning. Let's kind of shift it to a – this is a pressing problem because there's a deadline attached to this. And most of our audience, most of you are familiar with the fact that we – school districts were provided with a lot of funding from the COVID dollars, the, the the legislation that was put forward that pushed money out from the federal government to local school districts. Yes, what, about
1: $1.5 uh, In fact, they got a couple of rounds of money, and this last round was to uh, help kids recover from all of the you know, bad pandemic policies. So so
0: so IRG's looking at this and seeing that deadline looming and, and, and is asking some questions about how the money was spent, and then some unspent dollars. So kind of uh, elaborate on that.
1: Yeah, first of all, if anyone wants to go to our website, reform- reforminggovernment.org, um, or search ESSER, E-S-S-E-R you can uh, play around with an interactive database we created, look at your own district, look how they use the money. Um, it's really simple to use. So we encourage people to do that. Um, so of that $1.5 billion, we have nine months left. And again, while that is nine months, really the school year ends in five months, right? There's right. summer, like the, primarily it's going to be used soon. So $307 million is yet unaccounted for. So that either means... Uh, districts haven't used the money for kids, which would be very shocking, or they're using it but without DPI's permission, uh, which is what they're supposed to get.
0: Is that how the process is supposed to work? You have to rec- uh, get permission before you spend.
1: Yeah, think of it like uh, a budget for like a work trip or any kind of purchase that you're making. Right. Hey, here's our budget. Uh, do you approve this DPI? Yes, we approve it. Okay, now you can spend the money, and then we will reimburse you. So it's kind of like imagine you're you know you're planning a wedding in five months. Basically, district, uh, you know your fiance asks you, Hey, uh, have you booked the venue, the, the botanical garden? Dis- districts are basically saying, "Oh, was was I supposed to do that? Was that was that my job?" Or they're saying, "Yeah, um, we I did book it, but I'm kind of feeling Tex Mex instead of the Botanical Garden, so we're doing Taco John's by the the <laughs> Brewers Stadium." So it's it's really important that DPI knows where that money is going to be used, and again, we want to make sure that it's going to kids.
0: So, is there an incentive? A couple of obvious questions: Is there an incentive not to spend the money? Um, it needs to be used, or it or it's given back. It's uh, given back mm-hmm. to the federal government. Yes. Okay. Um, For the ones who are using it, what are they using it on? Yeah, so what we're seeing now um,
1: in the first year, it looked like it was so much was going to construction. So renovating school buildings, other purchases like that. And that's still the second biggest category, which is quite shocking. So unfortunately, in Milwaukee, um, even though there's this referendum coming up to raise money for the district, um, tens of millions of dollars went to renovating, uh, adding turf to a football stadium, to renovating the swimming pools, locker rooms, things like that. Correct me if I'm wrong. They were advised not to spend it that way. Yes. The Biden administration said for a few reasons. One, swimming pools, while lovely, don't help kids learn uh, or learn academically. Two, as we know, like the supply chain and inflation, like it's just a, it's been dragged out and made more and more expensive. So construction is like one of the worst things you can do for it. Um, and and unfortunately, that does not stop districts from doing so.
0: So I guess the question is, with the deadline looming, do we expect the school districts to, one, request permission for the remaining dollars or at least provide documentation of if they spent it, why didn't they go through the process? They definitely will. But I think what's most
1: pressing is something called a fiscal cliff. So right now, um, the biggest category that's being spent on is salaries for the districts. So. Again, making this up, but let's say a certain district had ten million dollars that they're paying salaries with. That ten million dollars is not going to be there next school year. So there's a ten million dollar hole that they now need to figure if out. If you hired, that's that's a one timer. You that's, you have to find that money to pay those teachers going forward. That's exactly right. So right now, five hundred and twelve million dollars uh, over one and a half years. So it could be a hundred. We don't know about this year, but it could be a hundred million. Could be two hundred million. At like one to two percent of school budgets are going to evaporate, and that's going to either that's going to evaporate the uh, the increase that came from the last state budget, or it's going to
0: cause some really painful cuts. There has been some reporting, including on this station, about that fis- that looming fiscal cliff, and one of the answers has been, we're going to ask you for a essentially an operational referendum. Yeah, this basically, unfortunately, in, in places like Green Bay, uh, I
1: believe Kenosha, um, definitely in Milwaukee, it's plugged budget holes, and so now lots of referenda are
0: coming. So with the deadline nine months away, do we expect that, or, or what are you hearing, are, are we expecting the school just? Districts to spend the rest of that money. Unfortunately, we're not hearing a lot. Um,
1: while the Madison newspaper put this story on the front page, um, and we've had and there was some great coverage about how Milwaukee uh, was losing some uh, summer days uh, of the school year because it was too hot for kids and they could have spent it on air conditioning. Unfortunately, there hasn't been enough discussion on this. So we strongly encourage journalists, we strongly encourage legislators, we strongly encourage DPI to really put
0: pressure on districts to make sure all of this is accounted for. Quentin Clayman, our guest from IRG, on the program today. WTMJ. Now um we talked about construction. One of the texters asked this question. If they were discouraged to spend it that way, are there ramifications, are there penalties for doing the thing you were urged not to do? Alas,
1: um I'll put it this way. Um the the, the, the um, criteria were so broad that um, the way it's set up is all of the spending for construction is is counted as protection against COVID-19. So if you're building like a soccer stadium, that counts as protecting kids from COVID-19 because it's outside and you can't get COVID-19 outside. Um, so unfortunately, there, uh, the criteria was very loose for this money.
0: So I'm, I'm just looking at some of the uh, data you provided. Eight districts had zero dollars allocated. Yeah. That's
1: not, that can't be right. Right. Exactly right. So what, what, what I expect to happen is they're spending the money without DPI approval. They're not allowed to get paid back. So they could be $4 million in the hole because they haven't reported this money. They're not allowed to get reimbursed. And um, there are some in the area that ha- uh, unfortunately it's a couple of Milwaukee area charter schools that um, are currently at zero along with like Wisconsin Dells and a
0: couple of others. So from a 10,000 foot perspective, what does this suggest about the way we spend money in, in school and education? Yeah. The, uh, two things.
1: One, oftentimes money is provided without asking for results. We would have loved to see this money go to tutors, to go to m- maybe even bonuses for teachers to encourage them to you know stay in the classroom, and uh, and that doesn't happen. And secondly, um, I think oftentimes we just expect that money solves problems, and really it can create as many problems as it solves. So it's about efficient spending, not just about the dollar amount.
0: As this deadline approaches, I hope you, we we can have you on either right before or right after to kind of see how we did and see what some of the uh, the fallout has been. We'll be tracking right through September 2024. We'll probably do a May update. Uh, give the website again for folks who
1: want to check out the information. Yeah, reforminggovernment.org. And then uh, please reach out, whether it's on teachers or
0: on this money, QK at reforminggovernment.org. Quinton, always great to talk to you. Appreciate your wisdom on this. We'll um, we'll, t- we'll chat down the, down the line as well. Thank you so much.